What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission and always will be built for the mission. And if you guys haven't been rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack in the uh, past couple of years, you've been fighting fire. Well, you are doing it wrong. They make arguably the best, the most comfortable and the most over and well built Fireline pack out there. But in addition to that, they make a ton of other neat stuff. Hell, they even make briefcases and backpacks. So if you guys want to toss your civilian clothes into a backpack and throw it under the seat of the buggy, or you guys want to make a crew boss kit out of something, well, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out their full line of load bearing essentials. But not only that, they are also giving back to the community. Ah. With what you might ask? Well, they have started the 1039 Scholarship Fund. Yeah, so if you guys want to go back to school and get some education and further those life goals and that career goal, well, look for this scholarship coming down the line. It's going to be open to a limited number of people, and that should be coming out pretty soon, hopefully uh, this fall or spring. Yeah. In addition to that, they're also starting the Backbone series, which is going to tell the story of the backbone of our wildland firefighting forces here in North America, which I'm pretty stoked to be working with these guys on. So look for that soon as well. We're going to be uh, launching an intro letter and some other stuff here pretty soon. So keep your eyes out. But in the meantime, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out their everything. Yes, they're everything that they have to offer because it is much, much more than fire packs. The Anchor Point Podcast is also brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor, and that is none other than Hot Shop Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. It is pretty damn good and pretty damn good coffee, but not only coffee do they make, but they make all of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right and a full line of apparel to help represent that wildland firefighter culture. But how do they support the Anchor Point podcast? Well, that's an interesting question because they sling our merch. Yeah. So if you guys want to get one of your uh, Fire Fiend t-shirts or one of your Band Brothers t-shirts, swing over to www.hotshopbrewing.com and check out their full line of apparel, their full line of kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause and all the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right and once again that is www.hotshopbrewing.com check them out the anchor point podcast is also proud to announce our latest and greatest and kind of hilarious sponsor who is that you might ask well it is none other than manscaped your balls will thank you so if you guys happen to have an unruly bush for dirty august well Now's your chance to clean it up. If you go over to www.manscape.com and type in the code anchor points, all one word, you can actually get 20% off and free shipping site wide. It's pretty badass. And these things are pretty cool. They just came out with a lawnmower 3.0. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a significant upgrade to the one I previously had the lawnmower 2.0. This new one has skin safe technology built into all the blades. It's waterproof and hell, it even has a pretty cool built in light just in case things get dark down there. So for all your below the belt grooming needs, go over to www.manscape.com. Type in that code anchor point, all one word. You get 20% off and free shipping. Cool thing about these guys is they actually give back. They Actually, a portion of the proceeds will go back to the Testicular Cancer Society, which is pretty damn cool because it is the most common form of cancer 
in men between the ages of 15 and 35. So once again, go over to www.manscaped.com and check them out. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is supported by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. And if you guys don't know what that is, well, it's pretty damn epic. Basically, it is a collection of over 100 stories about wildland firefighting here in North America, dating all the way back to the 1940s. It is pretty damn cool. So if you guys want a little trip down memory lane, or you guys want to see some current events that are affecting our firefighters out there current, like right now, obviously currently, uh, definitely go over to W www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. Bethany has an awesome organization over there and she gives back to the community. She's actually paired up with Water Axe Pumps and Mystery Ranch to help facilitate some $500 grants for you folks in the field. So if you happen to be a writer, a photographer, a cinematographer, if you guys are telling the story of wildland firefighting here in North America, then go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. All right. So before we get into the episode, we have a little bit of an announcement to make. So last weekend I was fly fishing and I noticed a ton of trash all over my favorite little fishing hole. What did I do? Well, I took all that trash, loaded it up and hauled it back to its proper receptacle, the trash can. Yeah, it was a bunch of plastic and shit. It wasn't even like a, a, a blender bottle or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, it had to go in the garbage. So I did my due diligence and did that. Right. Well, I'm sick of seeing trash everywhere, and so is Booze and Fire, so is the Ass Movement, and so is Hotshot Brewery. So what we have teamed up to do is launch the Cleanup for Dirty August giveaway. <gasps> Ooh, yes, there is actually incentive for doing a good deed and cleaning up our public lands. So from the week of August 9th through the 15th, we are doing an epic giveaway. You can win some Hotshot Brewery swag some swag from my swag from myself and some swag from the ass movement, including some of his new Pooh bear swag, which is pretty damn cool. But basic premise is, is you go follow all of us on the socials on Instagram. What you do is you grab a, just a grocery bag sized bag. Or if you guys want to overachieve, you can get like a 55 gallon trash can liner and fill that full of trash, fill those bags full of trash, throw them in the proper receptacle, send the ass movement, a photo of it, and boom, you're entered. So from the week of August 9th through the 15th, we're giving you a little incentive to do a good deed. And it doesn't matter if you're general public, if you're a firefighter, hell, if you even want to enter in as a crew and do a good deed, well, by all means, go over to www.thefirewild.com. Check them out and make sure you check out the ass movement on Instagram to be entered. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe. And I hope everybody's doing the damn thing out there on the line. So today on the show, I've got a very special guest. He is a professor over at Reedley College in... 
California, which is pretty cool. He's also the former captain of King's River Hotshots, and now he is a professor of wildland fire science over at Reedley. Pretty damn cool. And uh, yeah, he does some good stuff. So this episode is primarily designed and uh, made for those people that are your first through fourth year firefighters that are looking for some quals because Reedley provides it and they've got a bitchin' program over there. It's pretty cool. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Adam Hernandez. Welcome to the Anchor Point. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got my good friend, Adam Hernandez. What is going on, dude? Hey, what's happening, man? Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you on, man. So I've been seeing you rolling around on Instagram with the uh, Reedley College, and I want to know everything there is to know about that, man. But first <laughs> off, who are you? Who do you work for? Tell us your life story. Take it away. Oh, man, I lost, I lost your audio. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, there you are. I didn't hear that question. Repeat it. I said that, uh, yeah, but first before we talk about Reedley, let's get into who you are, man. Let's talk about everything, your life story, everything. Just lay it out there, man. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, we'll start out with, uh, how I got into fire. You know, um, I was going to college at the time, you know, working on my, my, uh, bachelor's and, um, I was going to be moving away to go do that. And I was trying to figure out a way to pay for college. And, you know, my dad had, had been a career forest service guy himself. And so, uh, he was like, well, maybe you can work in fire. You can work during the summertime and you'll have some money to go to school and, and pay for, you know, rent and food and all that good stuff. And I was like, huh, that's a good idea. Cause he had done fire when he was younger. And I remember seeing him come home in his Nomex and stuff. And I was a pretend firefighter at the time when I was like five years old. And I was like, I kind of forgot that I, I wanted to try that, you know? So, um, I went and found a place that was doing the, the basic 40 training and, uh, when got it done at a community center and then, um, started applying for jobs. And I got picked up on the Stanislaus, um, on a type two IA crew that was going for the hotshot status. And, um, you know, once I got there and started working, I was like, man, this is awesome, you know, and uh, kind of got sucked in as we all do in fire. You caught the and, bug. <laughs> yeah, caught caught the bug hard, man. And so I ended up finishing my my college and I was actually funny thing is I was going to school to be a teacher <laughs> of all things. Yeah, that's um, what I went to but, school for. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny how that works, man. But uh, once I got my degree, I, I, I had a permanent appointment and I was like, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to go? the route that I got my degree in or do I want to go and, and work in fire where I kind of already have the road paved a little bit. And so I decided to go into fire and that's, that's how I got into it. So kind of just landed where you're at now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, working on the cruise, uh, worked on the, the Groveland hot shots for about eight years. Um, one of those years in between there, I, I worked with the McCall smoke jumpers on a detail, which was pretty awesome. And then, um, moved to the Sierra after that stint. Um, got into prevention, did some time in fuels management, uh, went back to the hotshot crew, uh, as a foreman, um, on the Sierra and, um, then got into fire management as a, as a, uh, fire management officer for prescribed fire and fuel. So, yeah, that's kind of my background. And then I, now I'm here at Reedley college teaching wildland fire technology. So from <laughs> that's, that's wild, man. So you went from Kings river as a captain and FMO. There you go. And then you went into the FMO gig and then you went to being a professor. 
<laughs> it's a, yeah. it's, it's a, that's a weird, strange, like turn of events there, man. <laughs> I, I know. I, it, it was funny how it worked out, you know, just, uh, um, you know, I, as we were kind of talking earlier, I've always been into training and development and, you know, um, in, in fire management, it's, you, you gotta, you got some objectives you need to meet, right? You're trying to do land management and you're implementing prescribed burns and all this. And, but a lot of it is, is, you know, policy driven and administrative and meetings. And, you know, I kind of just found myself, um, kind of wanting to be more boots on the ground. Like I used to be, you know, I didn't, I didn't really quite, you know, scratch that itch, you know, and, and to be honest, I don't know if I will ever have that itch that, you know, doesn't need to be scratched. And so I, uh, saw this opportunity here at the college. Um, somebody had forwarded me the, the job announcement and I kind of looked into it. I came down here and talked to one of the, uh, the lead forestry professors and said, Hey, what's, what's the day in the life of a college instructor look like? And he kind of told me all about it. And, you know, at the time, you know, here, here in the central California, as with most areas, you know, fire and fuels management is huge. Right. And, you know, there's a, a big need to grow those programs as far as training and development and awareness. And so this is the first, first time this college has hired a full-time faculty for wildland fire specifically. And so, uh, when they told me about it, I was like, man, seems like a pretty cool gig, you know? And like, and I'm kind of one of those guys is like, you know, if things are meant to be, they're meant to be, you know, but you have to at least see if that's the route you're, you're supposed to be going. Right. So yeah, test the waters. In, yeah. You know, put an application, um, was like, you know, if, if this is, you know, supposed to be for me, then it will be, you know, and, and lo and behold, I got the job and here I am. So nice, man. And now you also AD as well in the summer, uh, when you're off. So you get that three months off in the summertime and you can go out and do hood rat stuff with your friends in the forest. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, sounds like a win-win to me, bro. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a pretty cool deal. You know, like that was my plan. And, you know, I, in getting this job, you know, I didn't want to totally cut ties with fire, you know, like, cause there's no way that I could be a good instructor for wildland fire if I, if I didn't stay relevant. So, um, you know, my intent was that I was going to apply to be an AD and, uh, utilize the quals that I have to stay out in the field and, and gain some lessons learned through the, the summer and then bring them back to the classroom. And, um, this was my first crack at it this summer. And, uh, I, I got to be out for about three weeks or so with, uh, uh with a hotshot crew when my old superintendents brought me out or yeah, brought me on and coming back uh, full circle there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a pretty good deal. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good, man. Teaching training and development, bringing up the next crop for the, um, the wildland fire agencies and, and trying to stay in the game as best I can. Hell yeah, man. Well, you got to stay relevant. And speaking of relevancy, I know you did some work with the Smoky Generation as well, Bethany over there. So let's talk about that, man. Uh, what'd you do for those guys? Yeah. For those so who don't know, it, of course. Yeah. I, I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it was 2013 or 14. Um, it was kind of before the season really started going. Uh, we got a, a message from our, our district FMO um, that this, the Smoky Generation wanted to interview uh, all of us, uh, overhead from the hotshot crew. And, um, so we went and met at the district office and met with Bethany and, um, she interviewed us and, you know, told us what her, her program was about. And it's like, man, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to try to capture those stories and, um, you know, communicate what the wildland fire organization is. And so, yeah, I did an interview with her and, and, uh, you know, some of those interviews are on there. 
the the website there. It, it, it was a pretty cool thing, man, to be a part of. Nice. And what was your primary focus for your uh, interview? Um, I think she asked me probably, I think it was like three or four different questions. And I think they're, they're all on there. It was like, you know, what was your worst shift ever is a hot shot or what's your take on leadership? You know, um, you know, what's the ultimate crew member that you look for those types of things. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Oh man. Worst, worst shift ever, man. But you know, what's funny is like everybody has their worst shift at like story out there. Right. But it, come to find out, we always look back at those times, like the worst of the worst as some of the best because you're out there suffering with your homies. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. That's where the cohesion comes from, right? You know, suffering together. I was just talking to somebody today about that, you know, like you gain that cohesion through going, you know, going through those adverse situations together, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. It's, you wouldn't trade them for the world, you know? Oh, no, man. You, you learn a lot about yourself and the person next to you when you're going through the suck, you know? It just yeah, hands absolutely. down. There's no way to, you know, put any any other reasoning behind it. You just learn a lot. Learn about yourself. You develop as a human. Makes you tough, man. Yeah. Yep. No, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So also with the relevancy thing and staying connected, very involved with the fire community, you worked on a... Uh, a human factors and leadership, uh, uh, training as well. Right. Yeah. Did like so, a study. um, yeah. So, uh, w- when I was, uh, I think it was around 2012, there's a program with the forest service. It was called technical fire management. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it was to bridge the gap for the 401 series jobs. And so it was, it was, uh, a certificate of completion program through Humboldt state that I went through. And at the end of the, the, the program, we were all supposed to come up with some kind of capstone project, some kind of hypothesis theory. And, um, you know, I've always been very interested in human factors, leadership stuff. Uh, you know, f- from the very beginning, I think, it, you know, you mentioned it in a, I think it was a couple podcasts ago where, you know, our generation in wildland fire came up with a full leadership curriculum. Right. And so when I first got in, you know, my captain was handing me, you know, Hey, Hey, check out this white paper by, uh, by Carl Wick or check out this writing by Ted Putnam. Some of those guys that were part of the, um, you know, storm King investigations and, you know, providing the feedback. And so I was always interested in, in leadership because of, of that, that mentor of mine. And so when it was time to, to do this capstone project for technical fire management, this hypothesis theory, I was like, well, you know, has anybody validated the usefulness of this, leadership and human factors training that we've been teaching because you ask anybody, we, we don't need any statistical analysis to tell us that it's works or that it's good. But if we could provide that information and we could provide that statistical analysis, then that's going to be some leverage to improve that. Right. It's, it's yeah. a case to say, Hey, if this works and we're reducing entrapments, we need to do more of this training. And that was really my end state is like, we need to, show that it's good so we can continue on and, and make it better and improve that. So, um, I, I did a lot of, uh, digging around and finding stats and, uh, came up with this, this, my capstone project. And, and that's kind of where it came from and it ended up gaining some traction and, you know, it's in some of the NWCG publications and I know MCS has it cited on their website. Um, and also it, it got published at the Rocky mountain research station, uh, so it's, it's, it's out there, man. Yeah. Nice dude. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's unfortunate that we have to learn the hard lessons the way we do. Unfortunately, a lot of our protocols are based off of tragedy. But if we could go more into this stuff, if we can go further in depth about these leadership and human factor examples like you did and present them in a digestible manner to especially the up and coming kids that are coming up through uh, the fire service, then we're going to reduce all these problems that we have with common things like entrapments and vehicle accidents and all this other stuff that we're experiencing. I think it's great, yeah. man. Kudos to you. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's just something I'm, I'm very interested in. I, and I appreciate the guys early on in my career, the ones that were kind of bringing me up is trying to instill that in me. And, and, you know, they did. And, you know, it's, it was, we have this saying, you know, that we all say, you know, you got to be a student of fire. Absolutely. But, you know, as we started going through this, it's like, you got to be a student of people and yourself as well, because, you know, being a student of fire, that's part of the equation. But the other part is how you're going to work with other people in those, all those variables and dynamics that come into play in decision-making and understanding where they're coming from. And so I think it's just as valuable to understand that sociological element as well, you know, to be better decision makers and better firefighters in general. Oh yeah, man. That's one thing that I'll always carry with me is a gentleman by the name of Billy Britt, actually one of my, I guess you could say one of my informal mentors here uh, where I came up in the fire service. He always used to say from when I first just started out in the fire service, uh, he said that putting fire out is easy. It follows terrain. It follows wind. It, it, goes in a predictable, relatively predictable fashion, right? The hardest thing you're ever going to do when you're moving up is manage people. That's the hard part. You put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. That's easy. Managing people. That's a whole other ordeal, man. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. No, that's, that's for sure. No, it's crazy, man. A lot of lessons learned too. And, uh, also there's a lot of lessons to be learned from, uh, poor leaders as well in the field. Definitely. I think you arguably you could, you learn more from a poor leader, uh, that you've worked under than you could a, a good one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that's important too, like, especially bringing folks up when they're first getting into wildland fires is just making them aware of, of what it is, what, what is leadership? What is human factors? What is those things that affect your ability? What are those barriers that affect your ability to make decisions? What are those things that are affecting your, your mental state that's going to make you do one thing or another, and just making them aware of that from the beginning gives them opportunity to see those things throughout their career and, and identify what that is and what, how that could be good or how that could be bad. And, you know, the examples of bad ones, completely helpful, you know, the examples of good ones, completely helpful. So it's a win-win as long as you kind of know what you're looking for and, and starting off early, man, I think our, you know, anybody coming up with the full leadership curriculum that we got from the NWCG, man, that's, it's an awesome thing. Oh, so. it's a game changer, dude. And yeah. Th- yeah, man. And that's the thing too, is like, we always talk about building slides, right? You can't really build those slides unless you've experienced it before, right? Truly build that slide. But the cool thing is, is that you have this power of story. And I think that's why the smoke generation has such a pivotal tool in our community is they're telling stories, you know, those stories are imparting knowledge, pass, passing knowledge on to other people. And it helps you not necessarily build those slides that you gain from experience, but it helps you anticipate things that could happen. And I think that's critical, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and where else can you compile, you know, all these people and all this history into one place, you know, like, you know, as, as average Joe working in fire, you know, you're going to get close enough to somebody 
you know, to be able to talk to them and, and maybe they'll open up about some of this stuff. Maybe they won't, but you never know what you would have missed, you know, but the smoky generation brings all that in one place with all of these, you know, high caliber folks that, that are on there and you get to hear those lessons learned in one spot. So yeah, now it's very valuable for sure. Oh yeah. Shout out to Bethany, man. You got a good thing going on. So what about your interview with Yale 360? I'm not too familiar with this. So let's, let's explain that you mentioned something about it. And I'm really curious. Okay. Yeah. So that, that came, uh, when I was, uh, working as a fire management officer on the high Sierra districts on the Sierra. Um, you know, I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the, uh, the tree mortality situation that we're suffering here in central California. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I got into the job, uh, you know, I mean, that's my job fuels management, clean that stuff up, right. Figure out what you're going to do with it. And, you know, so many layers to it, right. You, you know, you do one thing, it's going to affect this. You do another thing, it's going to affect this. And so it's definitely a game of 4d chess. That's for sure. Oh man. Yeah. We were trying to figure out some creative ways to get the the trees removed. And so we were, we were just doing what we could do, you know, working hard at it. And, um, there's a lot of, you know, inquiry from, you know, different media outlets on, on what we're doing to fix it. Cause there's a lot of stories that are tied to that scenario. And so we were contacted by, uh, Yale 360, which is, uh, uh, an environmental publication, uh, through Yale and uh, a journalist contacted me was wondering if they could come to uh, the Sierra and I could show them some of our prescribed burn projects that we've been doing in the tree mortality, um, how we were doing it, how we were handling it, kind of what the future looks like, what we're up against, what are the challenges? Um, you know, so it was just kind of trying to paint the picture of the, the fuel scenario in central California in the, in the tree die off and making people aware of what it is. And it's, it's not as simple as just, Hey, go out there and clean it up, you know, or go out, go out there and cut them down if they're hazards to the road or go out there and burn it because it's not that easy. There's so many layers to it. And it was an opportunity to explain that from, you know, boots on the ground perspective, you know? So it was, it was, it was, it was good. Yeah. I got you, man. And now that's, that's huge because it's good PR for the agency as well, but also it explains to the general public what the heck is going on up there. I mean, you've got tons of beetle kill. You've got this, that's primarily the source of the tree mortality issue up there, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah. So how do you go about fixing a huge problem like that? I mean, it seems sometimes that like, especially in other regions like Montana, I know has like a huge beetle kill problem, uh, Idaho too, uh, the Sierras. Yeah. How do you fix a huge problem like that? It's not like you can <laughs> just go ripping off a, a yeah. bunch of acres, you know, and just say, Oh, there we go. Call it a day. You know, it's like, what do you exactly do though? Yeah. I don't know. I wish, I wish I knew the answer, man. Cause if I did, I'd be a millionaire, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, right. But I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's just understanding, you know, what the landscape is capable of allowing you to do, you know, and they're like, again, you know, each area is different. Each geographic area is different. Um, it, you know, one may have more urban interface than the other. Um, how are you going to get rid of the fuels? Is it prescribed burning? Is it, is it, you know, removing the coal logs and, and through timber, uh, but then the wood has no value. So nobody wants the wood. And then where are you going to put it? Even if you do cut it, you stack it up somewhere or what happens to that? Or if, if you decide you're going to burn it, is it the right conditions to burn it? Are you going to be able to control it? Or 
is there too much heavy fuel loading on the ground? Because if you do burn it, maybe you're going to have uh, too much damage to the soil impacts because it's too hot. And then you're going to sterilize the soil. And there's just like so many variables to it that um, I think, I think the biggest thing is just uh, trying to implement the natural processes that were there before, you know, we got there, you know, so what can we do to apply fire to the landscape on a broader scale? Um, you know, how do we get rid of some of these institutional barriers that we have that don't allow us to burn when the opportunities are good, you know, um, you know, our, our systems aren't designed, you know, and when I say systems, I mean, like our agencies aren't designed, you know, to have these volumes of prescribed fire that occur, you know, our, our fuels programs are, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to do a ratio, but like one eighth the size of a suppression program, Oh yeah. you know? So, so how are you going to, you know, increase your pace and scale if you don't have that, that part of the puzzle to do it, the resources, you know? And it, yeah. And that's the whole thing, man, is it's far too, too complex of a matter for you or I to sit down and figure out the world's problems, you know, or the forest's problems, because it's, it is much more complicated. Like you're just saying, um, I know these beetles, they, they tend to migrate. So that's another thing that you have to consider, uh, what the forest can handle as far as implementing fire and all this other stuff. And especially the regulatory, uh, issues that we face as well. Cause I'm a huge proponent of putting fire on the ground. I think the more, the better to a degree, yeah. of course, but yeah, there's rules, man. We all got to play by the rules. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, it kind of occurred to me when I was, you know, teaching my, you know, my first year here is, you know, I had a, I had a fuels management class I was teaching and, and, you know, some of the students were asking the same question, well, how do we do this? How do we, you know, get beyond this and, and make the forest more healthy again? And I was like, kind of occurred to me, it was like, really, it starts with you guys and me communicating this to you because, um, you know, the other generations grew up thinking fire was bad. And so we need to switch that, you know, we need to start with you guys at a young level and you guys can build that. It may take 20 or 30 years before everybody understands that fire is a good thing and we should let it burn. Um, let things burn, you know, within reason, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was like, it, it starts there communicating with folks and making sure people know in the communities and, and kind of changing that pendulum from what the message is uh, to where folks can know that, that fire is needed on the landscape actually. Oh yeah. And that's the thing is like greater change is going to come from the generation after you basically. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which, which puts me in a good spot right here. You know, exactly. <laughs> I get to preach that message and they get to, they get to carry that forward. Just gobble it all up, man. And that speaking of which, man, you're teaching these future generations of firefighters over at Reedley college and all of your past experience have kind of placed you in this prime position to do so. So let's talk about Readly, man. Just lay it all on the line. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we were texting back and forth as far as the program goes, but let's get into the nitty gritty of that. So explain okay. Readly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Readly College has had a, a, a fire program for quite some time here. Um, you know, been a lot of good instructors that have come through, uh, you know, ex-chiefs, you know, from the Sierra, from the Sequoia National Forest, because we're located in Central California, you know, just, uh, just east of Fresno in the foothills. And, um, you know, they've had a lot of good, good instructors come through. And in the program, the difficult thing about it is all the instructors, they've never been permanent instructors here or permanent faculty members, which limited them on the amount of instructional hours they could do. And so, 
the tough thing about being a temp, right? Even in fire is that you, you don't have a whole lot of say in driving a, a, a program and directing it and where the funding goes and all that stuff. So, um, a lot of the instructors in the past didn't have a lot of, uh, leverage to make big sweeping changes here to, you know, to make the program, uh, maybe a little bit more robust, but, um, when they were here, they, they did awesome. It was, it was, the courses were basically, uh, um, uh, basic 32 on steroids, you know, cause there was more time into it. Uh, they taught a pumps class and, um, you know, some other, maybe some chainsaw stuff. And so, and that's, that's what it's been. And so, you know, when I got the permanent full-time gig here, you know, the expectation is like, let's turn this into a full on program. Like, let's turn it into maybe, you know, an academy. And that was always kind of in my mind is like, there's a lot of academies up and down the state. You know, a lot of them are, uh, most of them are municipal with a little bit of state fire marshal, Cal fire, you know, uh, wildland component to it. Kind of like there's Rio Hondo that, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, good programs, you know, um, but I was like, you know, I, I think maybe we could do a little bit more. What if we, what if we set up our academy to where we bring them from entry level and provide training NWCG courses that will get them all the way to qualify for a GS five permanent position. So maybe, you know, my whole idea was like, we set this up in a sequence of courses or academies, you know, ensuring that they get some, you know, boots on the ground experience to where by the time they finish the program and they follow it as it was designed, you know, they could be highly competitive as a GS five, you know, coming out of the program. Oh, absolutely. And do you guys get on the line experience as well? Do you have like some waivers to where you can have some uh, cooperation with the forest service to go do on the line stuff? Cause I know there's that 90 day uh, fire line experience rule somewhere hidden in that whole equation, but do you guys have the opportunity to do that as well? Yeah. So just kind of for, you know, as an example, kind of the flow of the program is we have, you know, we're getting ready to start up on Monday, August 10th uh, with the, uh, the intro to wildland fire block courses. And, and that's like, an introduction into fire, you know, cause not everybody, you know, somebody will go through fire class, what I found and, and they're like, Ooh, this is pretty hard, man. It's not really for me because we PT and we dig line and we sweat and we you get with it, you know? Yeah. And some folks are like, yeah, I thought fire was cool, but man, this is, you know, a little too much for me. So, uh, but the ones that want to, let's keep them going. And then, then that would be phase two in the spring semester where they would go to the wildland fire school fundamentals Academy. And, you know, they would get all their basic stuff to, to fight fire. Um, we would focus a lot on repetitions, um, focus a lot on the fundamentals because everything builds off of that. And then, uh, while we do it, you know, they're going through, we have some contacts with the, some of the organized crews locally, um, from the surrounding forests. And we, you know, we're, we're getting our, our students after the spring semester in those jobs, and, you know, I'm trying to set up a more fluent, um, process to get them into those, those, those jobs right off the bat. And so they go get their experience, right. Maybe the 90 days, like you, like you said, and once they get that fire experience, then they can come back to the wildland fire advancement Academy where they will get, you know, kind of, you know, 131, you know, like the firefighter one stuff, the, maybe the L280, the S290, that package of courses they need, you know? Yeah. Stuff like it's stuff that, uh, it takes a lot of time, like S260. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All those, all those things that, uh, they, they may have difficulty trying to get as a temp, you know, cause when you get laid off, you're out of pay status. And if you didn't get that class while you're in pay status, well then, you know, it's tough to get it. So I want to provide that here at Readly for the folks. So if, if temps want to stay in the game, 
they can come back in the off season and they can get their classes and we'll train them up. Right. Nice, man. So as far as like the, you got the setup going down, uh, what about the rationale behind your, uh, program? What was that? I mean, I know I, I obviously know cause we've been talking about it, but as far as your rationale for starting this whole program, what was that? Yeah. So, you know, as a, as a captain, you know, on, on Kings river, we would, we would recruit from Reedley, you know, and, um, you know, we get, good candidates that came from here. And, you know, my thought was like, okay, if I ever had the opportunity to set up a training program, you know, what would I want? What would the ideal entry-level crew member have or know when they came to me? And so that was kind of my rationale. You know, you want them to be physically fit and to have an understanding of kind of the grueling part of the job. You want them to have basic fire knowledge and have some understanding you know, you know, you want them to uh, understand leadership concepts and how to work with people. You want them to understand cohesion and, and all the other things in between. And so uh, the rationale behind it was like, I want to try to create the ultimate crew member that comes from this program so that anybody who's, who gets somebody on their cert, you know, for a job and they see on their resume, they come from really, they're like, Oh yeah, let's get it. That's, that's a guaranteed good one, man. That's, that's my dream. You know, that we can do that for the crews. Yeah. And that's another cool thing about your program too, is you've got rep, you've done your time as a smoke jumper. You've done your time as a hotshot crew member and uh, captain as well. You've gone up through the ranks up to the uh, fuels and fire management FMO position. So it's got credit, a lot of credibility behind the program, which is cool, man. It's unique. Yeah. You know, and and I want to, the other part of the rationale is I want to mimic a day in the life, you know, what, it, what it's like to be on a cruise. So, um, the way that we have our day-to-day operations here at the training program is, you know, it's going to be similar to if you got a job on, on a, on a wildland type three engine, we're on a crew, you know, from, you know, we PT in the morning, you know, we come in we do six minutes for safety and then we go over the sit report. And then, you know, after that we go into the lessons for the day. Right. And then, um, again, repetition based is, is, is very big for me because you don't get better at something, especially these skills, unless you get a lot of reps. So, uh, I'd say the ratio for our class is pro- our, our program is probably, you know, maybe 40% in class and 60% out in the field, you know, that's awesome. And yeah. And we're, and we're going to be doing scenario based training. Um, we have a 800 acre school forest. That's about 40 miles up the road. And so that's our, our playground to do, you know, <laughs> whatever we need to do. It's so it's, it's a pretty awesome setup. Do you guys get to go in there and do some, uh, well, it's kind of small 800 acres. I mean, if you're to do this year after year, but you guys get to go up there and do like trigger time, fuels reduction stuff like that yeah, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, there's uh, vegetation management plans up there for that area. And so we can put in hand line, there's some prescribed burning that's, that's set up out there. So we can put in the control lines there. Um, we can do road prep. We can do the whole suite of activities that you're going to be doing as a, as the firefighter out there. So we, again, mimicking the day in the life. And then while you're out there, the cool thing about it is, you know, when you get a job in fire, most of the, the training you're going to get on the job training. Right. Oh yeah. And a lot, and a lot, and a lot of times there's not the opportunity to be like, all right, tactical pause. Let's talk about what we're doing here. I mean, in the ideal situation you can, but you don't really get that opportunity all the time here. We can do that a lot. So as we're going through the day, we, if I see something not going right, or, you know, a skill that's not being performed properly, Hey, tactical pause, you know, let's talk about this as a group, you know, learn. And then we plug them back in, you know? So 
Dude, that's awesome, man. I wish I had that experience, man. That, <laughs> if, I mean, granted, if I knew I was going to, you know, turn into a wildland firefighter at some point in my life, you know, I probably would have chose that route because it's like a college course that's kind of like a trade school and it gets you into the woods, man. That, there's nothing to lose, really. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing too, is all those skills are critical to wildland fire, you know, chainsaw operation is big, you know, oh, yeah. like there's, you, you can't fight fire without running chainsaws or understanding it at least. So that's a big part of our program is, is, uh, utilizing the chainsaw, understanding it, like line construction, you know, uh, firing operations, just understanding those components and how they all fit into the, the puzzle of fire suppression. Well, it's cool though, because you, like you said, those tactical pauses, you can turn it into a thought experiment of like, all right, this is why we're doing this. And that's, that's a hard thing to explain, especially if you're on an active fire and you're, you know, engaged with a crew, you don't get that opportunity to just ask why it's just like, no, shut up, do as you're told. <laughs> it's as critical right now, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. Sometimes that's how it has to be, but you know, that's, that's the benefit in, in being able to set these scenario based trainings up. Um, like, like we do is we can take those tactical pauses and learn from it and then re-engage and then keep going and watch the improvements as you go. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool thing, man. I'm pretty excited. No, that's awesome, man. It sounds, sounds awesome. Yeah. Sounds dope. It, one, one other thing to add too, is we, uh, we applied for a grant, uh, last semester or last, last year through Cal fire, they have a lot of healthy forest restoration grants. And we, we applied for a cooperative grant with uh, the Fresno workforce investment board. And we, we built this, uh, this fuels reduction program because that's a pretty big, big need around here. Oh yeah. And, and so, um, you know, they were like, they came to us really and said, Hey, well, what, what do we need? What kind of training do we need to put on? And so, you know, luckily I was in fuels management. And so I said, well, let's train the students on, you know, chainsaw operations, maybe small mechanized equipment operations and maintenance. Let's give them an understanding of fuels and fuels management and fire ecology. And so we built an academy uh, that we're calling the integrated fuels management program. And uh, from the grant, we got a lot of money to fund it, you know, and support it. And we, with the money, we're going to get a couple crew buggies for the program. No way. You guys are going to have your own crew rigs. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get crew buggies. <laughs> We're getting a support truck, so like similar to a soup truck. Uh, we're getting a, a, a skid steer in a trailer, and we're going to be set up to do this like on the job, mimicking the day in the life type of training. So it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Nice, man. All right. Critical question here. Six pack okay. or 10 packs? What's that? Six packs or 10 packs for the crew carriers? Oh, they're going to be 10. <laughs> so the standard forest service, air brakes, all that kind of stuff? Yep. Yep. That's Nice. It. Dude, that's awesome, yeah. man. That's rad. So how many people do you have coming through this uh, program per year usually? Um, so, so the old, the old version of the program, um, there was about, I'd say 40 that would go through. Um, but then again, like I was saying is a lot of them, you know, maybe it wasn't really, they were just taking it as an elective and they decided that wasn't really for them. So, um, I'd say the ones that really came out in the end and really were full bore, what there was probably about 20, you know, that would complete it and go through and, you know, pursue fire actively. Uh, the way we have it structured now, uh, it's a, it's a 20, it's a class of 20, right? So, so a crew. They go through, yeah, a crew. Yep. Yeah. So they go through the intro, um, the wildland fire school fundamentals, 
and then go get their work experience and then come back for the wildland fire school advancement. And, um, you know, as of now, the, the class is full, you know, I just filled up the final enrollment of it. And so it's full. And, and I imagine as we start gaining some traction, we're going to have a waiting list, which, you know, I'm only one person here in the fire program. And eventually maybe we'll need to add another full-time instructor so we can run multiple, uh, academies or programs, you know? So nice, man. And so yeah. it's, it's gaining a lot of traction and it's getting more funding, which is even cooler because dreams don't come true without funding. I hate to break it to you guys. <laughs> That's the unfortunate truth of business, but yeah, yeah, it sounds like it's expanding and you probably need, a uh, uh, another, cadre instructor professor <laughs> to come in there yeah and the, and the cool thing is man is there's there's a lot of interest just from the the local crews that are out there they're like hey man if you ever need anybody that wants to you know that that you need to come in and help out give me a call you know like i i, I don't know how many times i've gotten that and I, i'm so grateful for that because those connections are made there from the students to see people that are actually you know doing the work coming to help them train the folks that are coming from the crews that want to invest in this program. It's so cool to see, man, you know? No, that's rad, man. And, uh, as far as like your typical candidate who'd be a good fit for your program, are you looking for like particularly somebody who is already a temp seasonal or are you looking for just someone who's just green, absolutely green in every sense of the word? Yeah. So the, the way that it was, the intent of the design of the program was for the folks that are coming in green. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we set it up to where that's, that's our clientele. We bring them through, you know, green, they don't have any fire experience. We show them what it is and we, we bring them all the way through. Um, I, I am setting it up to where, uh, you know, so that wildland fire advancement part of it at the very end. Right. Um, well, there's going to be some people that are in the agencies right now working that didn't, get my first two semesters, but they can come to me and say, Hey, I've been in the business for, you know, five years. You know, this is what I've been doing. I need these classes in your wildland fire advancement Academy. And, you know, as the instructor, I have the ability to grant them the okay, you know, to, to get in that, you know? Okay. So, um, yeah. 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 That's about to say if, uh, someone's struggling to get that, you know, S one thirty one or the two eighty class, I mean, that's critical. That's like a huge stepping stone. And if, especially if you're going to a place where you have to travel from say California to Colorado for your duty station in the summertime and you yeah. live in Fresno, dude, that's, that's huge because you could take that class on your own because usually if you work for a district, you have to stay within state to get that training or within that yeah. GAC. So that geographical area. Yeah. So that's huge, yeah. man. That's a good service. Yeah, so, so it's cool. So the academies, we try to package at least, you know, four of the NWCG, you know, courses within these academies, maybe three to four. Um, but we also turned, you know, those classes into standalone classes. Uh, so like S290 is a standalone class that we can offer here. Um, 131 is a standalone class we can offer here. And so, um, you know, we put it through our curriculum committee and we're working with the Sierra national forest, you know, to have a, um, uh, shoot, what do you call it? Like an accreditation, Yeah, you know, so, yeah. So all these classes are accredited by the NWCG and the local forest. And I think that's all you really need as far as like endorsement for getting your red card, putting that put on your uh, IQCS. So yeah. that's huge, yep. man. Yep. Yeah. Huh? Well, another question too, is that do, since you are a college, you're a, a system of higher education. Do these count as a, like a, 
what is that um like a trade school kind of certificate or are they actually going towards like a college graduate course like say you want to get your associate's degree in wildland fire management or something along the lines of that like land management is that actually a can you use these classes in that context? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, last year I, I spent a lot of time, you know, working out the curriculum and writing it, you know, to try to kind of, you know, make it more current, you know, as far as like, you know, our, our day and age now and, and making sure things kind of flow, uh, smoothly. So I spent a lot of time working on the curriculum. And so we have, right now there's three certificates of completion, right? So the first one, you know, if you go through these sets of classes, you'll get your certificate in forestry technician, fire suppression. If you go through these, you'll get integrated fuels management. If you go through these, you'll get wildland fire advancement. Um, by the end of this year, I'm hoping that I can build a program to where, uh, you take all those certificates and you complete all those and you add your general ed to it that that could be a two-year degree in wildland fire science. So that is killer. Yeah. So, so that's my plan. And then, you know, working on some articulation agreements with, you know, some of the four-year schools trying to, trying to make sure that those classes will transfer over. And, um, but yeah, for now we have three certificates of completion kind of ranging in those, you know, from entry level to fuels to advancement and then, um, working on a two-year degree, uh, this year. No, that's huge, man. And I wish that uh, when I was coming up, a lot of those programs were kind of around because you could still go fight fire in the summer and go to school yet get essentially a degree while you're doing it and you're still doing the work. I mean, it's it's yeah. just like going to work, you know, so that not only opens doors as far as training goes, like with S131 and L280 and all that stuff, but it also kicks that door wide open once you got that two-year degree. So I really hope that goes in your favor, man, because that's huge, especially for you know the people that are looking to get their education and maybe not stick with fire their entire life, but move on to something else like forestry management. Yeah, no, definitely, man. We're we're, we're going to work hard to make that happen and and get that uh, get that degree put together. So uh, yeah, we'll get it done. No, that's huge, man. That's cool. Well, speaking of which, I mean, if you're to really sell your program here, how does this give you a leg up on the competition? Because it is coming on hiring season right now and it's fast approaching. And if you want to leg up, would you recommend taking this course? Um, yeah, you know, uh, so in the, in the beginning, so this, this fall, when we start up, uh, it's our intro to, to fire, right? That's our kind of our block that we're doing right now. Um, within there, we have a class that's called career prep. And in that class, um, I, I work with the students, we write a resume, and we write a cover letter. And I make sure all those, you know, USA job specific components are in their resumes. And we actually go in and I, I go with them to create a USA jobs login in a Cal careers login. And then I show them how to pick you know, the announcement number and apply. So part, so that whole part of the class is there by the time they're done, they're required to have applied for something. Right. Yeah. And, and so show them how to do it and walk them through that whole process because it's, it can be confusing and <laughs> everybody knows that. So I'm trying to do it with them. So by the time they're done, you know, and fire season comes, they got an application in the system, whether they want a job or not, it's there if they want to. And, uh, yeah. So, so that's kind of part of it. So they'll get a leg up in that regard. Um, you know, I've been in the job and so I understand the system and how it works. And so I can help them 
to learn how to politic and to talk with potential employers, you know, supervisors and just kind of how that game works. The networking Uh, is huge too. Yeah. Yeah. The networking. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of the first year. And then, you know, the benefit to give them a leg up down the road is if they complete the program, like I said, in, in about a year and a half, as long as they go get their fire experience in the days they need to rate out as a, a GS five, um, you know, I've, I've kind of been looking at it. If they go through our program in sequence, they could get to that GS five level, probably three to five years faster than somebody who was trying to piece together the courses over the course of a career. So, Oh yeah, man. It took me a considerable amount of time uh, to get my five. And the only reason why I got my five is because I took an apprenticeship job, which I went through all those classes all over again, (laughs) (laughs) which I don't regret for the world, man. I I thought the academy time that I did was excellent. And I loved it so much. I even went back and taught there. Um, But yeah, man, uh, to accelerate that course or that that amount of uh, experience and creds, those uh, certificates that you need to get that GS GS five, dude, that is, that is critical. Yeah. You're only, yeah. you're reinvesting into your life, man. Yeah, exactly. And there, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of thought of this kind of idea of this sequence in kind of a selfish way, because I remember as a captain, when I was like, wanted those certain guys on the crew to get that GS five job, but they were missing this, yeah. you know? And I was like, dang it, man, I wish, I wish there was a way for you to go get this. And so I'm trying to create a platform where they can get that. And so, um, you know, letting folks know that, you know, we can provide that service for, for the crews and, you know, uh, in fire to, to send folks so they can, you know, get those jobs they need to get. Oh yeah. Well, it's not only uh fed service, even it's Cal fire. Like you're saying, I mean, they're, they have a ton of crew openings right now and all they yep. need is just people to swing Pulaski's. That's, typically what they need right now. They're pretty, I I guess they're pretty uh, deficient on positions filled right now, but all this stuff that you're teaching over there, it's the same rules that apply to Cal fire. So it's not just limited to the feds. Yeah. And that's another, another Avenue, you know, like when we were applying for that grant that I told you, we got all that money for, for the equipment and the fuels management. Um, you know, the reason why we got that grant was because of the curriculum that we had put together because they're standing up all these crews. And so they need a recruitment portal, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's good for Cal Fire, it's good for forest service. It's good for, you know, all the federal agencies, park service, BLM, you know? So, yeah. That, and you have that, uh, whole career development part portion of your course too, man. I mean, you could do an entire semester if you wanted to on just USA jobs, resume writing, networking, Cal fire, all that stuff alone. So getting that right there, cause that's, that is knowledge that people either lack or don't really tell you about, or no one even asks. So to actually do that, that's a huge leg up to navigate just USA jobs and a resume alone. Holy crap, man. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, man, I mean, as we covered a lot of topics, um, as far as future projects for Readly, what else do you guys got coming down the line? Um, well, you know, we're just, we're kind of focusing on, um, you know, our new program and, and trying to, uh, you know, hit it hard and making sure that it's, it's kicking out a good product, you know? So I think for the future, I just want to make sure that we're, we're doing things right, you know, before we kind of get too much on the plate. But, uh, you know, I think the big thing I want to try to do is, is make those connections and get, get the students jobs, get them out there and, and, uh, make sure that, uh, 
you know, we can be a good portal, you know, for, for some of the organized crews or from the, you know, forest service, regular crews or park service or, you know, BLM, whatever it may be is, uh, you know, just making sure we can make that connection and, and, uh, you know, get the, get the crews, you know, the good candidates that they, they need to have. So, yeah. Hell yeah, man. It sounds like you're doing a damn good job at it too. <laughs> we're, we're trying, man. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Really sounds like an awesome program. And uh, yeah. And uh, I definitely would suggest checking it out to all of our listeners. Uh, it definitely will give you a leg up on the competition. And since it's hiring season, you might get you guys and girls uh, might want to look into this for next semester. So yeah. Anyways, Adam, so where can we get a hold of you for uh, questions? Um, so I'm pretty new at the social media thing, but I was encouraged to start an Instagram, uh, page there. So, uh, I'm up on Instagram, uh, Reedley college wildland fire. Um, I've been fielding a lot of questions there. So if, if folks have questions, they can hit me up, you know, you know, there, and then if we need to, you know, start swapping emails and stuff, we could do that. Um, I'm trying to uh, create a landing page for the college um, kind of a website landing page so we can put all our information on there. Uh, everything's so new, uh, that there's not a whole lot on the Reedley college website, but, uh, you know, be patient with us and we'll, we'll get it together. And, um, it's just taking time, but yeah, Instagram's a good place to, to hit me up for info. Hell yeah, man. Well, there we go. Reedley college. You said on Instagram. Yep. Reedley college wildland fire. Are you guys going to launch a Facebook anytime soon too? Uh, yeah, I'm milling that around. I got to get proficient at it and then we'll, <laughs> we'll get that going too. Hit your boy up, man. I'll, uh, I'll help you out. I'll run you through there. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you for being on the show. But at the uh, end of the show, I always like to give the opportunity to give you a chance to give a shout out to a homie hero mentor. Could be a couple, could be several. Take it away, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, well, I think the biggest thing is just all, all the folks that brought me up, you know, in the wildland fire service, you know? uh, teaching me the core values and showing me good leadership and, uh, showing me the way and, and all those out there, you know, you guys know who you are. So I appreciate all that, you know, mentorship along the way and shaping me into who I am and what I'm doing now. So I appreciate that. Hell yeah, man. Well, Adam, once again, dude, thank you for being on the show, man. Hopefully we can get you back on here again. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. (laughs) Right on guys. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with our good friend, Adam Hernandez from Reedley College. Adam, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing a little bit of your expertise and knowledge with the rest of us. I definitely appreciate what you got going on over there, especially for our younger generation firefighters or those people that are trying to get in the game. Man, some of the stuff you do over there, I wish I, uh, (laughs) yeah, I wish I uh, knew about some of that stuff when I was up and coming in the ranks. But yeah, some of those Firefighter 1 uh, quals and other stuff is pretty hard to get. So if you guys want to find out some more information, go over to www.readleycollege.edu and check out their program. And for the rest of you, I just want to say thank you, everyone, especially to our Patreon page subscribers. Definitely uh, want to say thank you to you guys. Uh, We couldn't make this happen unless it was from the community the support of the community. So I definitely appreciate that. We also got our sponsors. Quick shout out to our sponsors. We got Manscaped. You can go over there and use code AnchorPoint, all one word at checkout to save yourself 20% off your entire order and get free shipping site-wide. We got Hotshot Brewery, purveyors of the best damn coffee in 
this coast. Oh yeah, best damn coffee for a good damn cause, that's for sure. We got Mystery Ranch, arguably the best load-bearing essentials on the planet. We got the ass movement and our epic giveaway, our cleanup for Dirty August giveaway. So if you guys want to go over there, make sure you follow the ass movement on that Instagram page. And last but not least, we've got the Smoky Generation. Bethany, I love what you got going on over there. Thank you so much for what you do. And to the rest of you guys, stay safe, stay savage. Peace. Peace.